Hey everyone, this is Megan Stewart, the founder and executive director of PCOS Awareness Association, and you are listening to the Teal Talk podcast, the show that is dedicated to polycystic ovarian syndrome and brings together information, resources, support, and more from experts, influencers, and the PCOS community. Our hope is that Teal Talk brings you insight, empowerment, and the support you need to be your own advocate. We hope you enjoy. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Teal Talk. My name is Rachel Denise. I am the radio's ultimate all-world beauty, and this series is called Beauty is Not Flawless. Now, Beauty is Not Flawless is my platform that I when I compete in pageants as well as in real life, it, it's something that I have been working on for a long time. And basically, it's just me wanting every woman to know that no matter what struggles you go through in life, PCOS, you know, breakup, heartbreak, anything, you're, you are beautiful the way you are despite all of the things that we go through that might seem a little bit hard for us. And that because of those things, we are beautiful. So today I have a wonderful guest. Her name is Monica. And we're just going to ask her a couple of questions and I'd like to know a little bit about her. So Monica, I'd like to introduce yourself. Hello, Rachel. It's so good to be a part of the Teal Talk. I am super excited to be a part of this conversation in so many ways, right? My name is Monica Rieger and I am the co-founder of PCOS Awareness Association. But before all of that, I, like Rachel, definitely competed in pageants. So I'm a beauty queen as well. I'm a five-time national holder, and I'm currently the co-national director of the all-world beauties pageant system. So I get to have my hands in all of these uh, great spaces, but I get to share my story of polycystic ovarian syndrome. And so this has been a very long journey. I was diagnosed in uh, 2005 without being diagnosed. That's the whole story. And so almost 18 years of journey through this, and I'm really excited to be able to share my story, my testimonies, and hopefully tips, but most of all, to empower um, all of us that this is not a sprint, but it is definitely a marathon. And what you do daily intentionally for yourself is what um, really helps build a healthy life. But most of all, which is the greater challenge is that beauty is not one perfect fit size, you know, one size fit all, but it's really who you are that makes you beautiful. I think it's the great uh, Shakiba Latrell, who is the former Miss plus intercontinental said it best. It's, you know, it's you being perfectly imperfect. So I think, you know, in this space, it's really important that we share. So I'm so glad to have you. I'm so glad to be a part of your episode, your series. So let's talk. Well, first, Monica, I want to say thank you for what for this opportunity. And I always, I, I never miss an opportunity to talk about my PCOS because it, it's been a long haul, okay? I've had some issues, you know, issues for a long time. And I've had a really hard time understanding what was going on with me. And I remember that was such a hard part in my life because I, I didn't know there was a name to it. So I wanted to ask you, so how did you realize that you had PCOS or what, what was like a strong that broke camel fat that you were just like, I have to go to the doctor. We've got to figure this out. Like what led up to that? Yeah. So that's a great question. I think one of the first things that really 
led me to discovering that I had PCOS was that I went in for my wellness check, right? So it was my first corporate, really great corporate job in 2004. And I was like, great, I have insurance. I know this sounds so whack, but I was like, yeah, I have insurance. Let me go for my, you know, women's checkup, right? Because it's expensive, you know, to do it out of fact. So I, I did, and my doctor, who was phenomenal at the time, Dr. Blow, Vanessa Blow in Virginia, said, hey, you know, you have the growing of the chins and places. And then I told her that my periods were really irregular, and sometimes, or I'll just not have periods for several months. And so she put me on metformin and gave me birth control to regulate my period, if you will. And I was like, okay, great. And she's like, just exercise and take care of yourself and you should be fine. And I, but I don't remember the conversation that she said I had PCOS. I just remember the, the, the instructions and the medication that I had to start taking. And so I did. And I actually lost about 40 pounds in a course of like maybe seven months, just, you know, increasing activities, doing all these different things. And then I found a really good space in my life in that moment where I was really happy. I was really you know, just content with who I was. So I think the weight came off because I was just in a good space mentally, emotionally, and physically. But it was very challenging up to that point, right? It was very, you know, I was bleeding for like 21 days if, or 22 days, and it was ridiculous. Or if I started exercising, I started bleeding, which was whacked, right? Exercising is supposed to help you. <laughs> Not right. To make it difficult. So the odds of me knowing that are probably... It's going to bleed after I started exercising. It's probably why I didn't exercise at all, but it's just me. And so that was my journey altogether. It was that I realized, or at least the start of my journey, I realized that, oh, there is a condition. And so in 2014, which was 10 years later, I moved to Louisiana to be with my mom before she passed. And I, again, you know, have got a great job. And I was like, I'm going to go get a wellness check, you know, make sure I'm, all my stuff is working right. and the doctor said, well, have you heard of PCOS? And I was like, PCO, what? What is that? And so she said, well, you've been treating, you know, at least the medications that I, you know, reported to her. She said, you look like you've been being treated for it. I didn't understand that language at all. But nonetheless, I thought she told me I had cancer. I was like, what do you, what does that mean? You know, because it, it, first of all, they said PCOS. Well, it's polycystic ovarian syndrome. And then I'm like, so what does that mean? And here's the, 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 the traumatic part of it or the pre- traumatic part of the experience is that people, the doctors can't really explain it to you anyway. You know, it, especially if it's your primary doctor or your internal medicine, they can't explain to you what PCOS is. They just know what it's supposed to quote unquote look like. And that was very interesting. But nonetheless, went back on the metaf- metaformin, birth control, please exercise, watch what you eat. I didn't lose weight at that point, I started gaining weight like a course of 10 years, like several pounds. Part of that was stress, I think. Well, I think the main factor was stress. But for me, it was very, it's a very interesting experience, just to say. <laughs> yeah, I, definitely similar for me as well. I thought I was bad having was empty. And I was having periods for life six months at a time, like nonstop bleeding. And I actually, right before my wedding a couple months ago, had that situation. And it was, I had to go to the doctor and get it stopped. It, it was awful. Who wants to be on that on their wedding day, for but, sure? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it was the same thing with me. I was bleeding really fast. I have gained, outside of high school, I have gained about 100 pounds. And 
you know, part of it was not doing sports anymore in high school or not being in the marching band or things and, you know, less exercise. But I mean, my voice is hit almost every day. And I still wasn't seeing the results that she was getting. And so I just started like looking things up because I, I knew I had something kind of weird going on. And so I kind of felt like no myself. Don't see that, lady. Doctor, I for the reason I was like definitely afraid of all my whole life. Like, you know, it's it's kind of a generational thing. Like my mom was um like so embarrassing to go or like, you know, not no offense to my mom, but she you know, it's a little bit taboo in, in her generation, in generation before our you know, us and um so I was like scared. But I finally went and so I didn't say that I had, you know, diagnosed myself with a doctor for a food and one reason don't. He's always mad at me. Now he gets mad at me when I'm trying to win a diagnose things or something like that. Um, so he, he told me, he goes, yeah, I think you're, you're suffering from PCOS. And that always stuck in my head, like suffering from PCOS. And this was around the time I was in Seattle, Rick Plus America. And was really, just really sick. So it had gone off for several years before I signed doctor which it's also not good either and so when i started by platform i wanted everybody to understand that we're not suffering from pcos we are having things that are hard and difficult and that is valid but we are thriving and we're you know even yeah. because of what we're we're going through it makes us stronger so i would say that we are we are surviving the yeah. mpcos and so that's pretty much the inception of everything. But he did the things that was me for metformin, the birth control. I didn't love the metformin. I didn't love birth control. I thought the birth control made me a little bit crazier. And I just went to doctor because he went out and he retired. So now we're doing all these other crazy things to, you know, try and find what best reasons. Eventually, I do want to have kids. And that's the whole process in and of itself. So. Or just kind of go with it and not try to find birth control right now, yeah, see what works best for me. So it's a process. Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how kind of your, you know, you're a fellow beauty queen and um, we actually are affiliated with the same system, which I think is really cool. What, if any, issues have you had with competing and your PCOS? Has it, cause any kind of obstacle for you with competing? Yeah, so that's a great question. So first of all, let's talk about pageants, right? So beauty pageants or pageant systems or pageant queens are supposed to be perfect. You know, we have mastered the smile. We have mastered how to put a beat on very uh, quickly and, and, you know, beautiful earrings and the glam and all of that. And so to say that you have PCOS or to have any illness or disorder or syndrome or disease is, and then say you're competing, tends to be, oh, well, you're, then that means you're not perfect. But to say that you are a beauty queen and you're competing and you have polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS and nobody knows what it is, it's like, so is that a real, literally you'll get, is that a real issue? And, or is that a raw condition, right? And it is in real condition. And not only does this disorder or syndrome, depending upon how you want to call it, it is an autoimmune um, disorder. You not only are stressed in your body and there's physical manifestations like your hair is growing in places and 
you want to lose the little extra weight in your in your in your midsection so you can snatch up your your dress really well and, and your body's not cooperating but you also have the stress of that and then you have the hormone imbalance which also affects your your mental state your emotional state right so there's the anxiety it's the depression within minutes or seconds of each other and then to to add to all of the crazy then we have the um, the unmitigated goal to go and compete. And we're competing for the penny of someone else, right? So we're already struggling with our bodies. We're already struggling with how we feel about ourselves and how we see ourselves and our what we think we should look like. Our bodies are not complying in any of, of the facets or forms. And now we are competing in front of everyone, trying to show the best version of ourselves. And hopefully, hopefully it's we have the perfect formula. We have the perfect smile, the perfect speech, the walk, the clothing fit. And then we have, hopefully the judges are, are on our side and they like us. And so it becomes this gumbo of foolery. Lack of a better word, because it's all of these pieces in this big pot that you have to navigate through. So I think the first part of it is one of the things I know and pageantry for a lot of our sister queens who have polycystic orbiter syndrome or ED endometriosis. I said that all wrong all the time. And any other, you know, fibroids or, you know, any of those conditions that are very similar, oftentimes they struggle with feeling good. So being on stage, it's hard. It, you may be in pain with every step that you take in your high heels. You may be in struggling. You may, like yourself, you know, try to avoid it at your wedding. You may be on your period while you're competing. You know, and I forbid you this. Like, well, I might, you know, you want to be in the best space ever. And so in my experience and as a competitor, as a coach, as a director, I think one of the things that we have to be mindful of, and just as a person, is to embrace who you are. Pageantry or beauty pageant for us has been a blessing for myself because it's forced me to do things like this, be able to speak about my platform or to speak about what's important to me and to do it well, right? So you practice that for hours in the day. And you're presentable so that what people see in you, hopefully it attracts them enough so that when you do speak, you are able to provide some substance to it. And so I, so beauty pageants have been great because I've developed into this person that I hope that will empower and inspire others because you have to be able to speak their language. But the other part of it is, good Lord. You know, you have all of the stress, you know, like if you eat one thing that your body doesn't like, it's like you put on 12 pounds, like just a moment ago, I could fit the stress. Now I can't, you know, what's the stress? And then you add to that stress. But then you're also how you see a thing, your perception, because if you don't embrace who you are, where you are right now, what oftentimes what happens is, is that people, their lens is different from yours and they shouldn't define who you are. And your PCOS, because you're still constantly battling with just trying to find your own sense of normalcy or being normal, you know, you you may tend to agree with the naysayers to say, yeah, well, just eat right and, you know, you'll lose the weight. It's not just that, right? It's, it's, all, it's really connecting the three. It's connecting your mind, connecting your body connecting your emotions so they're in a good space so your body can operate under less stress. 
is. So that's been my experience in just in beauty pageant as a whole from, you know, again, as a competitor, as a coach and as a director is finding that sweet balance so that I can manage my PCOS well. But then you, again, learning to embrace who I am, um, because oftentimes in competition or in pageantry, like you and I both know, you know, Again, it's someone's opinion, right? And so I don't want to be, um, I don't want yeah. their, their opinion to define who I am. And I think oftentimes in the PCOS community, we're defined by that. We're defined by culture. We're defined by, you know, our ability to have children. Like, I don't know if I may be able to have children, you know, you know, like right now I'm dealing with fibroids, right? And so there's a possibility that there may have to just snatch all my body, good, you know, reproductive body parts and... <laughs> I may not be able to have children. I have to be okay with that. But those are life-changing decisions. And, you know, same as yourself, you know, you're struggling with those things and trying to find sweet balance so that you're able to contribute to life and to culture as the standard stands. Or do I accept a different role that may be different from others? And then Brenda's not kind right. in the world. Right. You know, especially being a newlywed, mm-hmm. you know, every people have already started asking me, what are you going to have kids? What it, which, by the way, PSA, don't do that. Yeah, absolutely. These women alone, let them live their life. But, you know, it's kind of something that I thought about, you know, when I did want a daughter one day, or say daughter, but, you know, I'm going to have a daughter. And the current has it. I'm kidding. Absolutely, <laughs> right? Wait, if, if she wants to, because I don't, I don't do the toddler yard. Like, okay. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's, it's hard to think about, like, if I am not able to have kids or I've already asked like my best friend Lee Perry a baby for me. One of them said yes and the other one said no, but you know it's fine. And girl, you got a plan. That's what you're supposed to have. A plan in place. A lot of people are like, you can go ahead and your end. And I'm, you know, been considering that too. And it's you know, that it's it's really hard because people equate a woman's worth to her being able to carry children. And some men will you know marry you. If you can't, and that's really sad. And it's like you know, we're we we can do so many more things, and our bodies are capable of great things. And sometimes things just don't work out the way we want them to. Mm-hmm. And you know, essentially PCOS, it kind of makes where you have to be flexible. Like especially what you were talking about with the pageant stuff. Like I've definitely bought a pageant where I have been this uh, all world beauty pageant. I was in the middle of that, you know, six months. You know, the waiting depth. But, you know, it's hard enough to be flexible. You always have to kind of be not ready for disappointment, but just ready to find the next thing if, you know, something doesn't go planned. And that, you know, I feel like PCOS has almost like prepared me for like really rough things in life because, you know, I've kind of missed out on something with PCOS and, you know, having a hard time because of it or like I said even the thought of not being able to have children I've kind of almost a little bit gotten used to it stuff taking you know and I, I still have hope and I know that you know technology is great these days and you know hopefully one day we'll have a cure for what we're going through but until then we're just gonna have to still love life and you know regardless of what the outcome is. Oh, yeah, I know. So, agree. I uh, totally agree. We just have to do it with brainstones. That's all. Absolutely. So, 
What I wanted to do today, I've always wanted to share this because like I, like you were talking about, you want people to understand you and to, you know, to know that what we're going through is like a real thing and it's valid. And um, I want to kind of humanize it a little bit. A lot of people are really scared about the whole like period thing or they're kind of scared about, you know, talking about it and it's like a subject. But what my goal is, especially with my platform. It's to get women to not be ashamed of what they're going through. So I wanted to share funny period stories or any embarrassing period stories that we might have. I have one or two. So if you want to start and share like an oh period story, or do you want me to start? No, let's let's listen. Let's jump in this thing, right? Um, so funny period stories are embarrassing. Um, so let's make it real. So when I was before, so it's, it's a little year is this 2022, I have to think. 2022, I 2020 was wrong. I think 20, so, okay. So I have several, I'm trying to think which one is the most appropriate. It's when you go through those, that whole long series, the months, the long three to four weeks, six weeks span of trying to just having a period it just won't stop right it's on a regular basis so i remember after, so i'm gonna give you two two scenarios so i when i first started my i remember in 2004 i said that i started a really great corporate job and i was really excited and so that's how i started getting treated for pcos and not necessarily calling in that but you know all the treatment requirements or suggestions were for that and I remember being in this training class and it was the start of my period. Now, mind you, I had just started bringing birth control and it's just started a new period and I mean, job and all that. So I'm in training class and oh my gosh, my period, I was like, what is going on? So, you know, typically I'm a plus size woman. So I need to use those super or long pads, you know, and for me, when I'm going, <laughs> yeah, right. So me, there's going through, um, Going through that series of periods, I was like, I just need a long one. It's fine. It'll, you know, I can go for a couple of hours, then you change it or whatever. And trying to do a tampon when you're in that whole spill, it was just the worst. It was just a waste of tampons. It was not helping anything. So I'm I'm going through this and just again, I'm starting my new birth control. And I realized, oh my God, I have to go change this pad. It's only been like 40 minutes, like an hour, maybe. And I it was nerve-wracking. So then I started using two. And it was then I was like, wait, this is day one. You know, this is this is before day one. This is like pre-day one stuff, right? So I'm like, why am I already using, you know, long, two longs for my period? And then so day one shows up and here we are. It's day one, it's full on flow. I'm in this training class, trying to make a good impression. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm just gonna wear oh one overnight. It should be fine. That should be normal. Wear it for a couple of hours, change it out, whatever. Oh, no, honey. By the time I got to lunch, I had already gone to the bathroom twice. Okay. And then I had to really just buckle down to say, you know what? I'm using two overnight pads because there's no way I'm going to make it to the rest of this training. <laughs> I don't use two overnight pads. So it was a very stressful. Now, mind you, this is a new job. I'm like trying to make a good impression. And now I go from just using a plus size is one thing. But now we were in two overnights during the day, hoping that you can make it through a couple of hours and you're actually changing your both pads are saturated. It's the most interesting experience. So that was, I think, the most appropriate in, in its sense. Like I learned that 
you know, I mean, the clotting was horrific. I was like, what is going on here? It is the, especially when you're given a presentation and then you're like, what the heck? And you feel this movement all oh, is just the worst. And then the other incident <laughs> that had very. Yeah. Like the Nile River over here or what, what was that? Moses, the Red Sea girl. Yes, absolutely. You're like, what is going on? So I, the other, so this other thing I could think of or that I think is appropriate is this is when I discover that it's okay to wear the pins. I know that everyone's about to say, what? She wears the pins? Absolutely. When, especially when I'm over it, right? I'm at home. I am tired of destroying my undergarments that I, my, my underwears that I paid good money for them. Lane, Brian, even though they're like for 35, but they're cute as all get out. And they're a set. Like I have a thing about my bras and underwear matching. They're a set. Oh my gosh. So I was sick of destroying them. So I was like, fine. If I'm at home and I'm chilling, I'm wearing the pins. And it saved my life. I roll around. Y'all can say what you want. I don't care because no one comes in my house anyway. But me wearing a pair of the pins and especially overnight, it's been a lifesaver. And the only reason why I got the idea, here's why. When I was in the hospital in 2020, you know, a 40-year-old woman is still having her period and they don't really necessarily carry the appropriate pads. They have this thing that's wrapped in this, I don't know, there's like a pad and it's wrapped in this blue thing. It's absolutely horrific. I don't know why they even have it, but it should do better in the health system. That's just my 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 beef. And I said, yeah. hey, I needed, you know, some underwear to wear with this pad because I'm on my period now. And they were like, well, we'll just give you some disposable underwear. This underwear? What are you talking about? This is great. So they put this disposable underwear on and, and all of this. And then I'm wearing this pad and I'm thinking, hmm, this is running a little bit more than normal. And I'm looking at the underwear and they're like, oh, we'll just throw it away and give you a new one throw it away and not ruin my <laughs> and so the nurse says to me she says well it's just like where it depends lady you have blessed my soul so now if i'm at the house and it's going to be a rough couple of days i'm wearing depends that's how like i'm a new advocate yeah i love that yeah i'm funny let me tell you, they have these these called serenity, not to be trying to promote them or anything, but for me, I use the serenity and they're like larger, extra large. I pull, yeah. And um, they stretch. And then when it's all said and done, throw them away. I love that. It's kind of like the same thing where they give like pregnant women, not pregnant anymore, where they give her. Yeah. And they like bleed a lot. They like give them those underwear. That's funny. They also have like these underwear now called sinks, I think. Uh-huh. And they're they're like underwear and they absorb, but I don't I don't know if they just handle all the extra. They might do oh, normal okay. people, but not yeah. I'm plus size and I'm irregular. It's just a wrap. It has to be like this thick. But yeah, so I have a, a couple. So I'm actually just gonna share this one kind of it's not a long story, but so and I was telling my mom this the other day. So back when I was in high school. I have to live across the street from my from my high school now. It's kind of funny. So this is before, obviously, that I had did not done as in diagnosed PCOS, but I was still really regular in high school, and I had really bad, just bad periods. Like the first day of my period would be, oh my god, so bad. I'd be rising in pain, and you know when you are in high school or in school in general, they can't give you any medication. I've never been a big medicine taker just in general. I like to not take it as much as possible because I, I have this irrational though that I'm going to get like used to it and I, it's not going to work anymore. It's an irrational fear 
take medicine if you need it. But so I didn't have any medication on me either. And I was, it was kind of funny because I might have thrown up because of my serious case, but I like to tell my mom because she packed my lunch with fried pretzels and fried sandwich and no drink. <laughs> and at first I thought I, I had gotten sick because of that. And that, that's why I thought it was going to be sick. So I was in the cafeteria, I was eating my lunch. And I was in a lot of serious pain. I remember a lot. It was really, really bad. Like, it's the worst it's ever been. And I'm like, oh, my God. I feel like I'm going to be sick. So I, it was time to go to my next class. And I was like, almost there. I was like, you know what? No, I've got to go to the bathroom. So I went to the bathroom. And I was in there for, like, I was late to class. But I was in there for, like, 10 minutes, like, growing up. And I realized it was because of the pain. I was in so much pain there. I was throwing up and I realized that later in the day when I kept throwing up not to be too graphic I know that's kind of gross for some people but it happened and so you know when you sick at school you probably go tell your teacher right it was geometry class and I was thinking I would have my precious little old lady geometry teacher there no it was a really hot substitute teacher oh named Mr. Wakila bless my heart and I told I told him this before. I mean, he was there, but I, I told him this story before, and he thought it was so funny. And I was like, "Oh my god, I have to tell the teacher right now that I just threw up all the way to the bathroom." And he was there, like so cute. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" So um, obviously, I was in high school, but I know that's kind of funny. But anyway, so I went up to him, and I was like, "I don't want to eat that. I have to I have to go to the nurse's office." And he's like. He's like, what? What's wrong? I said, I threw up a lot in the bathroom. And he's like, what's wrong? What? And I was like, you're asking too many questions. Like, but it, I was like, well, so when a teacher asks you a question, you answer it, or you probably go get smashed with a ruler. And so I told him, I said, Mr. Wankiva, I'm just in like a lot of pain. And he's like, why? What? Like, what's wrong? And I said, Mr. Wankiva, I'm on a period. So he literally goes, okay. <laughs> no more questions were asked after that but this book's like yeah thanks that's enough question so I my dad had to come get me in his work truck and it was like so embarrassing but it was and then I went home and I kept getting I kept throwing up after that and it was it was the most work awful thing ever so now when I know I'm gonna have my period I make sure I have that so on me and yeah. I don't eat dry parcels in the dry sandwich without drink <laughs> <laughs> So if you ask my mom, it's because of the pretzels. But anybody else? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's too cute. I love it. Mom gets no, yeah. no grief there. The cute, the cute teacher. Like, like it, it just happened. It had to happen on this day. It just yeah. had to happen when he was seven. So anyway. He had a thing my math two years later. Like, my permanent math teacher. I was like, my God, I thought I'd never see him again. But anyway. But yeah, that's my story. So uh, we're just about at 38 minutes. So yeah, I, really fun. yeah. And you know, Rachel, thank you so much for doing these series. I mean, I think it's really important that we talk about normalizing and taking away the taboo and stigma of of PCOS and real life. I mean, you and I are both beauty queens. We're competitors, but we're also human. And it's yes. our humanity and it's a struggle with our humanity. And even though 
we have funny period stories and we have struggles and we're stressed and we're exhausted. I think it's important that we continue to spread the conversation that like for my platform, it's step into balance, right? And it's really balancing our mind and our body and our soul just so that we can see and begin to embrace ourselves that this is okay and not take on the perspective of culture and on the opinions of others when they really don't understand. But the reality is we have something that most people don't understand. And then we have the something that people or doctors or medical doctors often misdiagnose or they just diagnose because they have no other answers. And so that's unfortunate. But as we continue to bring this topic to the forefront in various marketplaces and various industries, I think it's important that, you know, Everyone that looks at us, like, oh, they're perfect. Child, please. We have the same struggles, the same ups and downs. Again, I be, we can put on a good beat of makeup. We've mastered a smile, but no one knows the struggles behind all of that and, and what we've had to push through on a daily basis. And so for every person who's not a, a beauty queen or who looks at pageant queens as being perfect, we're just people. We're just a champion of the people. Right. We are speaking about platforms and, and, and things that are important to us that we're passionate about. And it's important that we are able to communicate that well and, and use a platform like this so that we can help others and support them in their journey on to embracing themselves to the better version of themselves. So thank you so much for having this. This is so cool of uniting the, the uh, crown sisters together to talk about this crazy thing called polycystic ovarian syndrome in our own way. And doing it with the bling and style. So how cool. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. And again, thank you so much for the opportunity. And we will be um, having a a couple more of these. And I'm really excited. And just the last message I just want to send here is I I read somewhere that 70% of women that have PCOS don't know they have it. Now, I don't know how accurate that is now. This was several years ago. But that's you know, a really scary thing. And, you know, hopefully when we are having these talks, somebody's going to see it and be like, oh, I'm kind of having those same symptoms and hopefully they'll they'll get the help that they need. So that's the most important step is just going to the doctor. If you're scared of the doctor, I'm I'm sitting there with you. Go to the doctor and get diagnosed that you can get help because it does get better and, you know, you can thrive and be a beauty queen with PCOS or anything you want to be with PCOS. So that's the lasting message that I want to send. Oh, thank you so much. Also, I hopefully I get to join you on the next episode. Yeah, that would be so fun. Anyway, thank you so much for watching today and I hope everybody has a great day. And remember, beauty is not flawless, but there's flaws that make it beautiful. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Teal Talk. We would like to thank our special guests and our corporate sponsors, Milan Laser and Lujan Labs of Cornell University. For more information about polycystic ovarian syndrome and PCOS Awareness Association, please visit www.pcosaa.org. If you would like to be featured in or sponsor a Teal Talk episode, please email us at office at pcosaa.org. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to tune into the next episode of Teal Talk and have a wonderful day.